0: Hello and welcome back to One for Paul, the show where I, the original non-pop culturist, get inducted into the world of pop culture by friends, comedians, and nemesis. Joining me today on part two of our review of Pacific Rim, the 2013 movie about giant robots fighting other giant monster things, is my friend, Trevor Parr. Trevor, welcome back to the show.
1: Glad to be back, Paul. So, we left off,
0: where everything was just going wrong for our heroes. They they were stuck, our, our scientist man was stuck in a refuge, and the Jaeger that was supposed to defeat the double event, which was one of those things that was never supposed to happen except in the theory, except then it happened in the practice, one of them is powerless in the bay of Hong Kong because of an EMT blast. Fortunately, Gypsy Danger... The one that is piloted by Mako and Raleigh. The one that was grounded because earlier they showed themselves to be a legitimate danger to the people around them. They're going to be sent out because their Jaeger, is the one that is analog. Which, as we all know, is better than digital, apparently.
1: Of course. Yay, vacuum tubes.
0: So many vacuum tubes. Back in the powerless Jaeger, it's time to either sit and wait, or... Take these flare guns and do something really stupid.
1: I know, which I'm surprised that did not come from the American back. You know, the stupid idea, but you know,
0: I love that they're (sighs) saying it's a stupid idea, but we're doing it anyway, right? We're gonna do the brave. Yeah, just shoot
1: it right in the eye. Yeah, I mean, uh.
0: just then, Gypsy Danger shows up and battles the kaiju, which now has a flare in its eye, which I guess helps.
1: Mm hmm. Visibility is not too good in that eye for him.
0: Yeah, if only he had sort of six other eyes. After killing the gorilla like one with the plasma cannon, we cut to Newt in the refuge, which, as it turns out, is not a very good refuge.
1: Especially when he's blurted out that, oh, they might be after me. Like, and specifically then the me. Whole public-
0: Look, I'm the guy that is gonna they're gonna try to kill. Aren't you guys happy to be around me in this refuge and suddenly there's a whole lot of space in the refuge that wasn't there before?
1: Exactly, yeah.
0: Because movies. Fortunately, yeah. here's Gypsy Danger with an oil tanker that they now use as a club to beat the other one inside of Hong Kong. But this doesn't work.
1: It, indeed, the boat bat. Gotta love the boat
0: bat. Oh, God, the boat bat. I love that. Uh, Yeah, they'd hoped that this would really just boat bat its way to victory, but it didn't. And the thing manages to hide from the Jaeger. You'd expect that maybe it'd be difficult to hide, but behind Hong Kong-style skylines, even these gigantic things are not that big.
1: Exactly. Especially, I like how they're trying to search for it, and it just pops out from the middle, from inside, and just pummels Gypsy Danger out of nowhere. Ah, the buildings, they do nothing! They do nothing.
0: Yep, and then they start melting Gypsy Danger, I mean the building behind them, and in response... But before
1: that, you've got the nice little Newton's Cradle little scene, where, of course, it's the obligatory... Like, I doubt that that really happened, but it's a nice little scene that happened.
0: (laughs) I feel like the 3D department did that early on as a test of their systems, and then the director just looked at it and went, well, I mean, that's hilarious. We're keeping it.
1: Yes, exactly. I think it it would be a fantastic gimmick for a 3D department, but yeah, definitely. It's like, eh... Yeah, we need a laugh here and there.
0: It's a good little brevity moment because the whole fist slams through the entire building and slows down only at the Newton's cradle, which gently goes back and forth. It's three D department. I think it's the the animation department going like, "Look at how good our physics system is."
1: Hmm.
0: Fortunately, Gypsy Danger is not taken down by all of this. The acid attack misses them narrowly, and then the gypsy danger man grabs the tongue of the thing, or the gland, or whatever it is that was spitting the acid, and tears it out of their throat. And then they freeze its tail and, sma- and shatter it off of the thing, but before the kaiju finally grabs them from behind... And flies directly upwards, slamming them in the buildings on the way up. Because this one can fly, I guess. And it can do it without a tail.
1: Yeah, I'm sure, pretty sure I could talk with a biologist and they could explain to me how that's not possible. But, you know, movie magic, whatever. Who cares?
0: It's, it's fucking fun. awesome. And if it doesn't have a tail, it can't attack them from up in the air. Which I think is the reason they might have done that. Because otherwise... Could you imagine It's like, and then they flew up in the air, and it didn't use this weapon that it has on its tail to smash the thing apart like it did to those other guys, because it can't do that to the protagonists. We still need them to do stuff.
1: Exactly. They
0: avoid doing that, and I love it. I don't have any criticism of this thing. They fly far into the atmosphere, looks like even space, like we can see the curvature of the Earth quite clearly, and just then, they remember that they have a sword.
1: Yes. Out of nowhere. That would have been useful so long ago, but oh, by the way For a lady uh, who
0: earlier was saying how bad Rayleigh was at for not finishing fights earlier when they had a chance. I'm reasonably certain there were some punches earlier that could have been sword.
1: Yeah, but boat bat.
0: Boat bat. Boat bat I okay, look, I get you, but that's a weird thing for Mako to have agreed to. She yeah, would have been sitting on the sword going, no, but sword though. I, I imagine exactly. in their minds that's the conversation that was going, like, okay, Mako, hear me out here. Boat bat. But sword though. Yeah, but boat bat, but sword though? And, Riley, and she just was like, okay, Riley, we'll do it your way this time, and when it doesn't work, we'll get out the sword like I wanted to.
1: And that comes up because i think um i think the right hemisphere is dominant or at least they're trying to portray that because raleigh is on the right side is yeah, on the left sure. and you always have sort of a dominant and you know yeah. brainy waney
0: rhymey, wimey whatever right it's
1: yes it's, who cares yes it's, thank you doctor thank you doctor doctor well that's what Doctor Who says is that like why rhymey rhymey tiny limey Ti- timey or something it's sort of like the...
0: timey whimey something or other. I I didn't know that was a reference to Doctor Who. I thought that was just a thing people said. But that also makes sense. Timey whimey mm-hmm. nonsense. In this case, sorty wordy nonsense. Then we got a bunch more intercuts. Oh wait, first first they need to slice the thing in half. And they survive re-entry by landing in a sports stadium as triumphant music plays. Now, here's the thing. I was looking at their re-entry going like, okay, so hang on, hang on. What was the mass of the asteroid that killed all the dinosaurs again? Because I'm reasonably certain (laughs) that it was a similar size. And they got to slow themselves down. Otherwise, otherwise, it's an explosion.
1: Yeah, but not to mention, I also think... it said the altimeter at what height they were it was like 50,000 feet, but it looked to be much higher up than that. Like, I don't think you get fire shooting off from the sides on re-entry from something that's at, you know, what the same altitude that some airliners fly at.
0: Are you know? suggesting to me that this movie about, about giant mechs battling interdimensional space alien kaiju beasts is somehow scientifically inaccurate?
1: I, I know it's preposterous, Paul, and I apologize, but yes, yes, Unbelievable. ever so slightly.
0: I feel lied to. We get a b- bunch of intercuts now between Newt back at Hannibal's negotiating the purchase of the kaiju brain and Raleigh and Mako being celebrated as heroes, except there's no time to celebrate and no time to grieve. Also, the marshal is bleeding again from his nose like he was earlier. That's a bit concerning.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Cut to the kaiju remains as an intercut where the large crew is now working expertly to get it apart and into easily saleable chunks. Looks and
1: then a- I feel bad for the poor guys going inside of that, you know, rotting monster being like, oh, yeah, even though I have all these filters, it smells like dead catfish. Oh.
0: That's concerning, because see, here, they pumped the cavity full of CO2, like any laparoscopic surgery. So they need to wear the jankiest oxygen suits I have ever seen portrayed on screen. If they mm-hmm. can smell like it
1: with a Walmart and yeah.
0: If they can smell it then that is not an oxygen suit. Also it turns out that the secondary brain was damaged, but it's okay because there's a it was pregnant and there's a tiny baby kaiju in here. Wait, does that mean everything's fine?
1: Of course it means everything is fine. What could possibly happen? Especially when you've got Hellboy there. He's like, Yeah, I knew that was gonna happen. It probably would die.
0: Oh yeah, it it leaps out and chokes on its own umbilical cord, and the guy's like, Yeah, I knew that would happen. It's fine, and then stands directly next to it and promptly gets eaten.
1: After tossing a knife right at snows, be like, yeah. Nothing could happen. Mm-hmm. I knew it all along. Of course Chop. he did.
0: Yeah. Back at base, the marshal is uh pretty sick, and those Mark Ones that he was piloting, they were scrapped scrapped they were scraped together in fourteen months and radiation shielding was not a concern. Turns out that if he ever pilots again, he'll die. Oh no. And also he and Riley are the only two to ever solo combat. But I thought you had to have a big brain to do that. And then it would mess up your eyes.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess that's only a symptom of the kaiju. As we look at Hannibal Chow, and yeah, maybe the other guy. Well,
0: Hannibal Chow is that he didn't do the thing with the kaiju. He went to a refuge and got injured by a kaiju. Wasn't that it? That was his whole no, thing. Man. Like I'm going to my private bunker. You are going to the private refuge. I don't recommend it. You know, and he well, no, 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 earlier
1: they were saying, why, why the you damn fool, you drifted with the cool. kaiju, he was looking at his eye, and then he lowered down his glasses, and I, his eyes were kind of messed up too, and I, I was thinking that. because they drifted, I, or he drifted.
0: Well, how would he possibly, what he was doing was listening to what he was being told, which is, they are a hive mind, and I drifted with one of the hive mind, so he's sitting there going, wait, you said it's both ways. So they know everything that you know now, which means that you fucking idiot, (laughs) like don't give them information that you have. But it's uh, when he kicks him out, what he's saying is I'm going to my private bunker. You can go to a, you know, group refuge. Uh, You know, I don't I don't know how well you'll do. I know I didn't do very well. And then he shows his eye injury. I thought it was he got that in a kaiju attack while waiting in the private refuge, and now he's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to get my own private bunker now, and I'm going to start this whole business to make sure I can have it. That that was my reading.
1: Mm, okay. I could
0: see your reading, too, though. It, it's sort of, why would he have the ability to drift with a kaiju? Why would he develop that? That's the part that I'm not getting.
1: Mm, The only thing I can think of is, like, Black Market. He was experimenting. Maybe there's some other potential avenue. Maybe he got his hand on some of the drifting equipment or something. I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Maybe both readings are okay. But uh, Yeah, I didn't have the really specific notes about that part. But back at base, they're pretty sick, and the Marshalls got the radiation poisoning, I think. And it looks like Marshall, despite the fact that he is likely to die, is going to co-pilot with the Australian guy while his dad is injured with the arm thing, because you can't pilot one of these things with an injured arm, I guess.
1: Mako? Yeah, if it's full, yeah. No, I was just going to say, yeah, with the full range of motion, I mean, yeah, broken arm is just going to have problems, and that hinders the ability, I guess, of the other hemisphere, if you have broken arm? I don't know.
0: It's, It's brain shit. It's brain shit. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh, Mako, understanding that her surrogate father is likely to die today, has a beautiful moment with him before he gives the cancel the apocalypse speech from the trailer. Man, I wish I'd never seen the trailer. (laughs) Man, I wish I'd never seen the trailer because this is a good speech.
1: Oh, yes. Fantastic speech.
0: As they suit up and prepare to pilot together on what they all expect to be a suicide mission, the Australian father and son share another of my favorite moments in the film as they struggle to express emotions to one another, even though, of course, they've been connected brain to brain, and they know, but something nice about saying it, and they don't manage to, but I think they both get it.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's like you have like a mutual appreciation. You're both on the same level even thinking-wise that mm. you don't even need to say these things. It's just felt. It's known. You can even tell by just by the look in the eyes and the actors do a good job portraying
0: that. Mm. It's relatable because men were uh we're all emotionally repressed on some level. Mhm. And Raleigh and Mako discuss the future, by which I mean just the future. And uh, I guess he's implying we should totally get married after this.
1: Uh, I never saw that. I've been
0: considering our future, and I never had very good timing. I watch her just go, oh, cool. Or just maybe saying I would like some sort of future together. Did you not get that? Maybe I'm reaching...
1: I think you're reaching a little bit. To me, I kind of like the idea how. I mean, they're just kind of like mutual admiration for each other, but it doesn't seem like a romantic gesture or anything like that. Like they wanted to go out, you know, start dating or anything like that. You don't reckon- just kind of like a. Like, as Mako said, respect for one another.
0: I see that for sure. I definitely do get on one level that they have enormous respect for one another, and of course they've been connected to one another's brains, and there's that intimacy right away. But I really did see the sort of, like, simmer of something, right, from the little looks that Mako gives as she sees a shirtless guy before they've done the thing together, and uh, from sort of little glances and looks here, it's all quite subtle, but I was picking up on something that made me think, oh, maybe he's talking about a future together when he talks about I've been considering the future. And then laughs and goes like, I got the worst timing shit. <laughs> you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess I kind of see a little bit of that. Okay. but eh. This is a,
0: we're having this discussion about a movie about giant robots battling evil alien giant Interdimensional beast things. This is a fucking good movie. Mm-hmm. Back at the Kaiju Baby Corpse, the scientists having decided to drift into it together, share the actual neural load in a previous intercut, uh we are now ready to go and after seeing whatever they saw, both of each other's pasts and also whatever that big blue glowing electro portal is, we now know that the plan is not going to work. The attack on the breach is definitely not going to work. Oh shit, we need to tell someone. Mm-hmm. Which is this a tad is inconvenient, my... given that the Jaegers are already there.
1: Yeah, and they've got the biggest, baddest monsters we've ever seen so far. Oh, they got two. But of oh, them. wait, there's supposed to be a third one.
0: They're supposed, according to Theory Man. Uh, it's supposed to be three, but there's two, and they're both Category 4, because numbers go up.
1: hmm uh-huh.
0: They got no visibility down here, and not very much mobility compared to the kaiju, who are just swimming around happily. And just as they reach the breach, they find that the kaiju are stalking them, but not stopping them from going to the breach, which is odd, given that they're carrying a breach-closing payload.
1: Yeah, it's more like they're just kind of, like, stalking their prey and waiting out, which, I mean, we kind of think at first that they really don't have, like, an intelligence, these monsters, but perhaps they do a little bit more than we give them, you know?
0: Well, it's that now we sort of know that they're being controlled by some sort of uh, strategy, right, from an interdimensional intelligence, but even, like, wolves. Wolves are not smart like humans are smart but they will stalk prey and they'll take their time and they'll do tactics a lot of lots of animals think tactically but not a lot think strategically i think that's really just humans and then also whatever these kaiju are or whatever's controlling them because the the marshal is quite surprised because he's never seen them behave like this he's going why are they stopping they never stop something's weird Fortunately, Team Science to the rescue, here to inform them that they have to travel into the breach with one of the kaiju because there's an encryption key.
1: Yeah, gotta use those biometrics. I mean, Face ID, come on now.
0: They need to collect the blue key card to enter this video game door.
1: Exactly, but they have to also get the red key card, but they only could have gotten that one if they defeated such-and-such on the first level. And they forgot to do
0: that, because they did the speedrun strat. Also, it turns out that it's not a double event, but in fact, dum-dum-dum-dum, a triple event, just like Theory Men theorized earlier. Except now it's a Category 5, because number go up.
1: Mm-hmm. Big old hammerhead, ugly-looking thing. Ugh.
0: It's kind of awesome Which looking. kind of
1: similar, looks like um, the tattoo that um, exuberant short scientist guy Newt. has on his arm. Yep.
0: Yeah, until now we've only seen Category 4. Uh, which is the largest category, but this is an even bigger category than the largest category. In fact, it's the first one they've ever seen. And they fight the new category. Uh, the other two get in on the party, though. First, destroying Gypsy Danger's right arm. God, this guy is just getting his arms destroyed all over the place. First it's his left, now it's his right. I know, it's, it's right.
1: like Star Wars, the original trilogy, you know?
0: Almost like that, with, with all the arm destroying. Then they stab the first one. Glad to see they're using their swords now. And then uh, as the fast one, the sort of alligator-style one, swims past rapidly, they split it right down in two, which is kind of mellow.
1: Kaiju Ninja, successor to Fruit Ninja.
0: Uh, Kaiju Ninja, good <laughs> lord. I would play that for like five minutes.
1: Yeah, I would definitely play that. Uh,
0: and the Australian guys, uh, it, the, one, the one has the controls jammed, uh, the, those guys, and they can't release the payload. And they battled the Category 5 big monster, and they managed to wound it pretty badly. Uh, so, new plan. Striker is going to detonate the nuclear bomb to get rid of the two kaiju already there, and Gypsy is pretty much a walking nuclear power, play, uh, power station. So, the plan is, jump in, melt it down, get out. I'm, I'm, I'm summarizing heavily here, because this is what happens, but these are fucking cool scenes!
1: yeah and the cinematography or how they compose the shots I mean more sticking to the color themes of like the orange for the warmth and how they're going down there in the blue with the kaiju and it's just fantastic it definitely is a treat for the eyes oh and they melt the
0: thing like a fucking kebab on on one of the volcanic vents down there it's so cool yeah love it I love the video game I love the video game of this it's so good it's exactly my aesthetic but, of course, this is a suicide mission. It started as a, as maybe a suicide mission. Now they know, like, we're actually not getting out of this alive. So Marshall and Australia Man, they're, uh, they're having a little last conversation. It's been a pleasure, sir. A little nod. But, of course, Mako is also down there, and her surrogate father figure is about just to die. And she sort of knew he was going to die today anyway, one way or another, from from the kaiju stuff, but still, bad day. Still,
1: and then she utters out in Japanese, I love you, sensei. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, the marshal's last words to Mako are, you can always find me in the drift. Australian dad listens on as his son is about to sacrifice himself to save the world, and as they detonate the bomb, Mako says to the marshal, sensei, aishitemasu, which means I love you, sensei. Which is just... Oh. And here's the fun bit. I had to look that up because it is not translated into
1: Exactly. English.
0: Because she didn't mean it in English. She meant it in Japanese. And I think mm-hmm. I think I sort of understood it the first time. On the second watch, aishitemasu is a word I had to look up. And... Oh, man, did I... I got hit in the heart. I've never felt hit in the heart that hard while looking at Google Translate.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's... I kind of like where they they didn't put the subtitles up. It's kind of understood even without knowing exactly what they say and it being translated you felt it like when you say it. that's like you knew and then once you do see the translation it's just like a ton of bricks it
0: yeah it really like... is i i don't know whether i would have preferred to have the subtitle there or not i think this worked i think i understood that the words themselves kind of don't matter in this instance and i think having that be a private thing between her and her father figure was sort of thematically appropriate, thematically right in the moment. And even after I looked it up and I went, oh, that's so good. Because, like, what else do you say? And it's such a moment for her of like, well, now I've lost everything to this fucking thing, so let's go, right? If we got to die today, then let's go. So after... Just a massive nuclear explosion, which opens up the sea itself, which then comes crashing back in. Oh, God, I know that wouldn't happen, but fuck, it's cool. Mm -hmm. Mako and Raleigh tackle the Category 5 through the breach, killing it on the way in. Mako's oxygen line breaks in the wrestle, and Raleigh gives her his before putting in the ejector seat and sending her back through the breach to safety, because she's out like a light. All he has to do now is fall. I guess he's fully expecting not to come back. So he falls, but also has to get the reactor melty by hand.
1: Yeah, and I mean, especially he's losing oxygen too, so trying to do a complex melt or triggered meltdown of nuclear reactor in, you know, a parallel, not parallel dimension, but another dimension. Yeah. Doing all that at once in blazingly fast speed, yeah, that's While oxygen-deprived, in,
0: uh, in as you say, a situation that is, uh, shall we say, non-standard?
1: Maybe just a little non-standard.
0: Honestly, it wasn't clear to me that he would survive. I didn't know. It was a cool final scene, because this whole time they've not been precious about killing their protagonists. <sighs>
1: Yeah, and then he uh, puts the uh, gypsy danger in the most deadliest of all dance poses—the T pose. But <laughs> since he has an arm, it's an upside down L.
0: <laughs> oh my God! He's T posing. Everyone, run!
1: Exactly. But luckily, our protagonist does get out of there alive. And to eject ejected at the last time, or at the last minute, and get out of there. Rushes to the surface. Mako's looking around. Don't does not see Riley at all. Raleigh at all, but he does. His thing does pop up. Mm-hmm. And there's a you know a slight moment where I was hoping maybe he comes back alive. Maybe he's dead. Oh, but
0: he's not breathing, and there's no pulse. They, they don't read a pulse. But on the radio, mm-hmm. they helpfully tell us no, maybe the equipment's busted. Don't worry about it, Mako, as she's like literally cradling. This guy that maybe she loves, maybe, at least she's been, I, I hesitate to say being intimate with, it because that is what has happened by m- melting their brains together, kind of, but also not exactly, you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, there's a shared emotional trauma, there is a mm. deep bond between the two. Yeah,
0: so last thing to do from base though is to send out the helicopters before we do too much else to make sure that they retrieve whatever's left of mako and riley because they don't riley raleigh and uh, mako definitely alive raleigh also alive hooray he's not dead guys you're
1: just crushing his windpipe. that's okay you know?
0: that's that's fine you could have killed him just now but you know you didn't that's okay and guys stop the clock Oh, this whole time there's been a clock running that they keep resetting every time there's a new kaiju. And now there's not going to be any more kaiju because they collapse the thing that puts the kaiju into the world. And hooray, the world is saved and everybody who's not dead is victorious, I guess.
1: The best use of cancel culture, they canceled the apocalypse. That's what it's for. And Mm
0: -hmm. in a moment... That could so easily have been a cheesy Hollywood kiss, Mako and Raleigh instead embrace like people who are close to each other and love each other and have just gone through some serious bullshit.
1: Exactly. It's not like that trope where, yeah, they have to the hero, heroine has to kiss, you know, the hero or whatnot. They're both strong and independent. It's like, yeah, they're just happy to be alive. There doesn't need to be some grand gesture of a kiss, you know, romantic.
0: I also don't feel like if I've spent the last hour and a half being shot at and nearly killed and had my arm fried and being injured and can barely breathe. I don't think I want a kiss right now. I think a hug is nice. And then also get me yeah, to the hospital, please. Yeah, oxygen deprived
1: too, yeah. Like, literally, their brains are probably not functioning being that starved of oxygen that well. I think they're
0: breathing now. I think that happens pretty quick. But, yeah, I see what you're saying. They've gone through some shit. We're agreeing with one another. They've gone through some shit, and I don't think anybody's interested in boning down right now. Maybe later. Maybe later. But we don't see it because the movie's over now. Oh, oh, man, that was awesome. Wait, did I miss it? It
1: was, but did you see the ending credit scene? Uh, No. There was an ending credit scene? Yes, not like a big Marvel movie, but there's a fun little Easter egg. Go if on. you haven't seen it, I'll tell you what yeah, happens. Yeah, go on. Tell me. Tell we, me what it is. Okay, so we go back, and we see that baby kaiju that was born that ate Hannibal Chow, and then we see a knife shoot out from inside of it, and nice little opening comes out. And you see Hannibal drenched in like blue kaiju guts, and he's like, where the hell... It's my goddamn shoe.
0: <laughs> and then the rest of the credits come out because, <laughs> <laughs> of course, the shoe is all that was left of him after the kaiju ate him.
1: Mm-hmm. That's hilarious. And I can't. I love it. Yeah, I mean, and that's it. It's a nice little scene, but yeah, it's one hell of a ride. This movie God, that
0: was awesome. Thank you for recommending that. I was not expecting a beautifully told human drama in this anime-inspired popcorn movie about giant robots fighting monsters.
1: Right. I mean, it's very pleasant and basically the director grew up as a kid in Mexico and he loved both these genres and he wanted to pay homage to that because he loves the source material so much. He loves Godzilla. He loves the Mecca. He grew up with that. He wanted something that hasn't been shown before, like on movies. So he tried to merge the best of both and tell his own tale and he, he succeeded very well in that.
0: Ask me questions about my experience with the movie.
1: Okay, what did what your experiences with the movie? What did you like out of this? What you did not like out of this? I
0: liked Mako a lot. Mako's whole storyline was so cool, and uh, maybe I maybe is this the first time I've seen? <clears throat> what am I trying Theatrics to say? Or... No, 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 I'm trying to think about what I think because Mako was super compelling. Mako was. Her story about vengeance could have very easily just turned into Kill Bill, which is fine. I liked Kill Bill, but it could have easily been one-dimensional, like, I want to kill the kaiju because the kaiju killed my family, and then that's her character, except it turned into this whole thing of exploring her mind and exploring her experiences and what led her to be this crazy perfectionist person who needs to make sure that everything is exactly right and... Make sure that she's able to fight this thing and study hard and make sure that once she accomplishes the aims, holy fuck, no, you know, I don't even think for her it was about saving the world. I think for her it was about hurting the things that hurt her. And I love that. I think she's the main character. I think she's the main character of the story, but there's a bunch of main characters, maybe. She's certainly a protagonist. And she's one of the stronger ones, I think. Raleigh, I found a little one-dimensional. He was very much like, you killed my brother, and I'm finding it difficult to connect to other people because I felt that loss so deeply being connected as I was at the moment of death. Relatable, sure. uh, But also, sort of, that's his whole thing. Like, he wants to kill Kaiju because they killed his brother, and that's what he does. And he wants to do... He's a pair of trousers. He's us in the movie experiencing the movie. I liked uh, I liked the Marshall. I liked I like Marshall a lot because I I don't think there's anybody in this movie now. I'm thinking about it who ha- who doesn't represent loss in a really nuanced way and a really respectful way because it could very easily have been like I saved this war orphan and I trained her to be a killer so that I could get my vengeance and it wasn't that it was he's a loving surrogate father who's concerned about the the daughter he took in and raised as his own even as he knows that she wants to fight and is going to and he knows the stakes better than anybody he's fought against them and he doesn't want her to die fuck but he also wants to save the world but maybe she can fight with him and that growth of their relationship was really interesting and again this is a movie about giant monsters being battled by big mecha tanks I don't know what to make of it. I think I liked both of those things about it. I think it snuck in a really meaningful drama about how humans interact and how we go through unreasonable bullshit. And I, I think it did it while also having some cool fight scenes between awesome monsters and big old robots. And it's so fun. It's such a fun movie, but also it made me cry. It's I liked that a lot. I'm tr- struggling to think of things I didn't like. I'm struggling to think of things I didn't like. Occasionally, the brain stuff was a little like, oh, okay, like you needed a reason that they you had two people in the thing to cause the drama to happen, so you came up with this brain th- All right, whatever. I don't know how I would have done it, though, so I'm also not going to criticize it for that. I'm, there's not a lot I didn't like. There's not a lot I didn't like.
1: Yeah, there's. Uh, I feel the same. It's just, There's not a lot to like. I mean, uh, not a lot Mr. to like? Mr. Del Toro loves to flesh out his stuff. You, we, I mean, there's...
0: You said there's, there's not a lot
1: to like. <laughs> I mean, there is not a lot of stuff to dislike. I, I, I see. Got it.
0: I, I thought you meant that. I was just like, wait, what? You agree, but you don't? I don't understand.
1: Exactly. I'm an enigma. <laughs> um, Wrapped in and mystery. I, I like this... Mm-hmm. And I like this whole tone of the movie where uh, there's a quote by uh, what General George Patton, I think, explains it just fine, where it says, uh, wars may be fought with weapons, but they are won by men. You know, and it's not really that, you know, the biggest, baddest, you know, like the most advanced, you know, mech out there, the Australians, you know, is defeated and the Chinese are, you know, defeated. You know, it's about basically the better I guess characters out there, you know, and how well they work together, you know, it's won by people, not by technology. And I like that because mostly with like a war movie or action, it's always about, Oh, I've got the biggest gun. I've got the latest and greatest, you know, whatever do dad. Oh yeah. No, it's about the human spirit and overcoming adversity and working together in harmony.
0: In previous uh, seasons of the show, I covered uh, Top Gun Which definitely was like the, oh, the Russians have a secret plane and we can't, but we'll beat them with American ingenuity and we got our F-14s, go America! That was like a recruitment video, but a a lot of movies are very much like the, yeah, but we got better planes though, so we win.
1: Exactly.
0: The monster design is kind of stunning. Uh, I guess one thing I dislike a bit as i could frequently not quite tell one from the other despite quite strong design differences maybe that was a color thing maybe that was a shot choice thing i didn't really feel that the level five was more threatening than the other two having just watched the other two dismantle the the mechs that were previously quite strong and characterized that way and the level five which just got stabbed in the arms and went down immediately so i don't know it was just bigger
1: yeah, I wish there was more distinction too with the monsters. I think it's more like he's trying to stick with the color themes of the blue with the kaiju, but I wish there was a little bit more of a maybe bioluminescence to some of the machine, uh, excuse me, the kaiju outlining them.
0: Maybe. I don't but, know what to do with that um, exactly, but I, I other than the one that looked like a gorilla. I don't know. The other ones sort of meshed together for me a bit. It was like him. And then the one that looked like it was out of monster hunter that, uh, swam. Like they all look
1: like they could have been out of monster. Hunter. (laughs) I
0: feel like if they did a crossover, that would be fun. I would totally hunt a kaiju with my bow and arrow and my like cat buddy in monster hunter.
1: Right. Well, uh, Del Toro actually was like, saying that there are like two major schools of thought about, about the monster design, about how they look like in the genre. And the old Toho design is basically you would have the man inside of a suit. And that's what he was trying to go through, that style. Instead of being more animalistic, he tried to make it look like a, a person could fit inside of these kaijus in this movie.
0: Oh, and I think the movement, kind of, the movement of them absolutely made that valid because uh, like especially the one that moved like an ape seemed like oh man this thing could be real and would fuck your shit up
1: yeah exactly there's no Rodan there's no Ghidorah it's mm. you know basically bipedal against bipedal
0: true except in mechanical. the last water thing where you do just straight up have a crocodile yeah yeah. which I liked I liked the crocodile a lot but I it's, I think the way they animated the heads struck me as really good, too. I wonder if they did any of that practical, like with actual rubber suits, or did the motion capture on it or something, because it seemed real good the way they moved. Like that slightly unnatural, a bit too much in one area and a little not enough in another area, and it seems quite uncanny, but it's a monster. It should feel uncanny. I liked it.
1: Yeah. ILM did a good job with this.
0: Oh, is this ILM?
1: Um, yeah, I alone did a lot of work, uh, for this, uh, movie. Oh yeah. Prop wise. I which I was surprised. I didn't learn about that for, until I watched the commentary, but, uh, yeah, uh, the computer graphics. Oh
0: yeah. Also the props like in the.
1: Yeah. There was some prop work done by that. They tried to the have practical where they could, but I mean. That
0: whole room full of the kaiju, uh, offcuts in Hannibal's place. I guaranteed all of those objects existed and I love that.
1: Yeah, I would love to have just a room with some of those props in there, just sort of being like the mad scientist. you are like, oh yeah, I've acquired this, you know, black market China, back in the bone slums, and oh, yeah. have like a brain. You know
0: that popular part of Hong Kong, the bone slums. I can't believe, I cannot bring myself to believe that this is a real place in Hong Kong, and I have not looked it up. And I kind of don't want to well, know if it's real. I hope it's not.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I, yeah, I hope it's not for the net, that namesake. It doesn't sound like someplace that would be right across from the picturesque, um, what's that, huge bank? Um, it's like the Bank Tower or Bank of China building. That's the blue with the white. You always see in the photographs. It's sure, yeah. beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'm sure it's right across the street. From oh, right
0: me. across the street from Kowloon, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No question. Right. I liked. Uh, I liked how the main battles were happening in Hong Kong. which I think is a setting that we don't see enough of in film. Uh, And, of course, we got Sydney earlier, though granted only in a couple of shots. But I I really liked how they used, uh, call it non-standard locations, at least when it comes to uh, American films, because this was an American film, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, the film director is from Mexico, but yeah, Legendary made it, and they're American. Oh, American
0: production, Mexican Yeah, American production, yeah. Quite the international cast, though. Is uh, is the actor playing Mako Mori actually Japanese, or is she Japanese-American, or what's her deal?
1: Um, I believe she is actually a full Japanese. Uh, she is from Japan, and, I mean, she's mm. a Japanese national. There's, like, a few other movies that I own that are, have her in, and one of them is a Japanese production, which is sort of like a dark comedy called Kamika, the travel Or yeah, Kamiko, the treasure hunter, and apparently she thinks that Fargo, the movie, is real, and so she travels to America to try and find this treasure that doesn't exist. It's oh, a very dark comedy. So it's I haven't interesting. seen Fargo,
0: no. but I believe you. I'll add it to the list. Fine, I can hear. No, you. no, I, I don't. It's not judging. for everybody. <laughs> I can hear you judging between you and the audience. Going, he hasn't seen what? That's sort of how we do it. But yeah, well it's uh, unless you have final thoughts about uh, Pacific Rim or the production or about actors or whatever have you then
1: uh, the only other things I can think of I mean I really was more or less about the ac- some of the actors like the uh, the girl Mako I would love to have seen her in Ghost in the shell I mean she would have been so much better than Scarlett Johansson you know whitewashing Hollywood oh, whatever man, but... you're
0: right you're right she would have been so good as the major. Oh man, I have, exactly. I have seen ghost in the,
1: exactly Shell. with the blue hair and she's got to kind of cut in the right way. And I'm like, Oh, this, mm. I think she has it the presence perfect. for it.
0: She's, Oh, why did I haven't seen the Scarlett Johansson one though? Did she do good? Was it a good, uh, no, was she bad? Did she, did she do a bad uh, job?
1: She was okay. I mm-hmm. mean I, I watched I liked the anime ghost in the show and they definitely harkened to a lot of scenes where they replicated some of the iconic stuff or scenes in the anime on the movie, but the plot was weak and they sort of simplified things down. They kind of dumbed it down quite a bit, oh, excuse me. No. Oh, no. And I mean, I just.
0: But was Johansson okay? I just think if you're going to have or? like
1: Japanese cast members, and then you have the lead protagonist Caucasian American, it just makes sense to have a leading character who's also Japanese. But uh.
0: what was Scarlett Johansson's performance okay, though, or like? Was there at least that?
1: I would say it was okay. Yeah. I mean, it could have been a lot better, but I mean, hey, it also could have been a lot worse. Yeah.
0: I don't know, man. Whenever they remake stuff that I like, I'm like, you know what? I'm just not going to watch it. I'm sure it's fine. I'll watch the original again. I like that one. Until later, I figure out if if people say, no, it's actually really good, then cool, fine. But, you know. Like I don't see the reason to remake that. Um, anyway, we're we're straying, we're tangenting yeah, quite far from alone. the thing. But yeah, I I really would have liked to see her in a role like that. I think this is a role like that in a lot of ways. I think this is.
1: Oh yeah, it's definitely similar. Reminds me a lot and of I the major. I quite liked her in it. This reminds me a lot of the major. Now
0: I'm thinking about it.
1: Exactly. I mean, that popped up in a little bit as I was watching this initially the first time, way before we even announced that there was going to be a Ghost in the Shell movie. Mm. Um, the only other thing I can think of is just, this is one of those movies where they put a lot of work into details, like in the background, like on switches, on panels. Like if you pause stuff and if you have like 4k, even 1080p, you can pause it and freeze frame and see so much detail. Like they engineered the mechs. You could see access hatches. You can see bolts. You can see nuts. Mm, Someone how things are engineered. Yeah, totally. Yeah, like even like I paused it, and on Gypsy Danger, you can kind of see like on one of the shoulders they have the World War II style bomber art where you have the pinup girl, oh, I you know, painted on the side ah, of the craft. That's a good detail. I like it. And then there's like a little American flag like on the rover that's carrying out the Gypsy Danger the first time in Alaska. I mean, there's lots of little stuff like that all over. You can read the switches, mm. and you can see how they're scratched up and scuffed up and repeated use. I quite liked how the guys
0: were uh, customizing their armor with stickers and stuff. I thought that was pretty neat.
1: Because they're not military, they're
0: resistance, so they can put a sticker on their crap, you know. And everything looks slightly dented, it's kind of great.
1: Yeah, and like on the Chinese, if you freeze frame it, you can actually see they got like little images of China, uh, of uh, the uh, kaiju. Oh, really? Like, right by the chest plate, and it's sort of like a kill tally, like the, you know, the World War II aces would have on their fighter craft is kind of oh, nice. Oh, that's fun. But, yeah, I mean, I really don't have much aside from that, so I would just go off and... Well, yeah, I tangents, mean, I guess we could tangent but... if
0: we want to, but I think that would be a different kind of show. Uh, I think we're done. So thank you. Uh, thank you, Trevor, for joining me on this episode of One no for Uh You got nothing to plug, right?
1: I've got nothing to plug. I mean,
0: never mind. But listen, uh, while you're listening, if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at one for Paul. You can also help uh, support the show on the crowdfunding platform Patreon by going to Patreon.com/slash one for Paul or searching One for Paul Patreon. Uh, You can also uh, just tell people about the show. Tell people that you enjoyed it. Hey, this guy has a real hot take. Because there's not enough of those in the world, and I hope that I'm doing a better job than all of those guys. And uh, whether I am or not, why don't you tell me about it on Twitter? Because that's what I need you to do. Thanks, guys. That's the episode. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining me on January.
1: I guess thanks for having me on, Paul. I look forward to doing this again sometime, and hopefully you all in the comments can make fun of how I talk and how I screw up the English language on a normal basis. Thanks for having me, and talk to y'all later. (laughs) Bye now. Bye now.
0: (laughs) So many vacuum tubes, because movies.